Welcome to this week's edition of A Canadian Schoolie Podcast. This week I spoke with Doug and Mindy Ashwood, who are originally from Ontario but now live on Prince Edward Island. Doug and Mindy worked for years driving buses in Ontario and are now retired from the Toronto Transit Commission. Doug and Mindy are great storytellers who will keep you hooked throughout the podcast. From getting stuck in sand for days in Mexico to how to keep mosquitoes out of your bus at night. Grab a warm beverage, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's edition of A Canadian Schoolie Podcast. All right, folks. So welcome to another edition of A Canadian Schoolie Podcast. Uh, This week, we have some special guests coming in from Prince Edward Island. So I'm going to throw it over to these fine folks to introduce themselves, and we'll start with the podcast and the storytelling. So how are you today? Well, I'm do, we're doing just fine, uh, keeping ourselves busy in the conditions and everything that's going on around the country in North America, so to speak, wherever everybody's listening to. Uh, it's Doug Ashwood and Mindy. Hi. We, uh, we have an MCI, 102C3. The year's a 1992 bus that we have. Um, the interesting story with it, it ran between Dallas and Mexico City. It has a Cummings M11, which is unusual. Originally, uh, the bus uh, was was manufactured with a Cummings L10. So uh, whoever had the bus uh, moved it over to an M11, which was interesting for us shipping it, uh, importing it into Canada and bringing it up to start our conversion. Uh, let's, let's step back a minute and give you a little bit of my history. Um, we live on Prince Edward I. Prince Edward Island, Canada now, but actually grew up, both of us did, and lived in Toronto, Ontario. And I used to, um, part of my job was for 30 years, um, I ran the subway system in the city of Toronto. Many drove bus for 19 years before she retired, um, was forced to retire with a tumor sciatic nerve. And and for me, uh, I managed to get my 30 years in, but I got diagnosed at 40 with a a brain tumor. So um, anybody who's had any health issues and things they deal with, it it changes your life and your perspective as to um, how you see things. So at the 30-year mark, I got the option to um, retire a little young. Um, I retired at 49, which is unheard of. And and we decided uh, to move out to the East Coast. At that point, so we've been retired. Um, is it eight years now, Mindy? We've been retired. We've been retired about eight years, and never looked back from PEI and the and the slower pace of life that that allows us. Uh, running the subway system was a very very stressful job, and I finished up my career in the light rail streetcar service, um, running that service in Toronto as well as well as. So my experience with the bus world was driving bus for the better part of 20, 25 years. Uh, fish bowls, uh, GM classics, articulated buses. Um, and then we fell in love with the concept of uh, doing an MCI. So this is our second bus. Our first bus was uh, was an MC9 we had. So back to a little bit of the history. So a lot of my, my time and my dedication, I've been very dedicated to, uh, was in my past, to scouting. Uh, I teach canoeing and kayaking. And a very uh, big outdoors individual. One of my biggest accomplishments was uh, my son was 15 years old 
and anybody knows Ontario, uh, Georgian Bay area, which a lot of people are very familiar with, to make a long story short, so to speak. Um, I convinced him and five of his friends to canoe from Georgian Bay down to Lake Ontario, which is uh, 360 60 kilometers. It took us, uh, we did it a little over seven days and we did it in canoes, which was uh, a pretty cool experience with, with staying in tents and doing all our own food along the way. What was pretty cool about this story was when we started up in Georgian Bay, um, the lock masters, we got a lock pass, would um, lock us through. But by the time we got a day or two into the trip, all the lock masters coming down the lock would telephone ahead and wouldn't let anybody pass unless we were going through. And what started out with two or 300 people um, grew, everybody wanting to know why we were doing the trip and, and what fundraiser we were doing, but we were just doing it as, uh, as a family uh, thing. And I thought a last hurrah at the age of 15 to spend some quality time with my son. So it was a, it was a, to me, that was an accomplishment that was uh, very, very self-rewarding because it was like doing a marathon to do that kind of a trip um, with that kind of mileage behind me and say it was very self-satisfying that I had done it. So when we, um, moving on to uh, the East Coast, so when we retired out here, uh, we decided that um, we were going to do some traveling which is one of the big things. So our first experience was with a, a C-Class with the old uh, Ford 460. We took it down to San Diego, fell in love with the environment of San Diego and what it offered and never stayed in a trailer park. And on our way back decided um, the C-Class just 28 foot didn't cut it. Uh, you can get along and, and have the best relationship in the world. But if you get into an argument or a disagreement, shall we say, it becomes awful small at that point. I don't care how big the vehicle is. So at that point, we decided to move into uh, or look for an MC uh, a bus. We fell in love with an MC9, an old, it was it was from Quebec. Um, the downside to that, we got it home and completely refurbished it, uh, brought it back up to the inside. And that was our first back to San Diego again, That the next winter with it and found that it was uh it, it, it ran the quebec corridor quebec canada and it was very rusty had seen a lot of salt and decided that we wanted to go a different route so we got looking on of all places ebay that lots of people like to look and we had mindy had fought, found this 102 c3 1992 and the cool story for it was um, it had it had ran between Dallas and Mexico City, so it never seen any of our Canadian winters, and it had a Cummings engine in it. Um, I, what I loved about that was I was getting away from the two-stroke, which was um, an area I wanted to go. I wanted to go to the four-stroke uh, for a number of reasons. So uh, we decided to part ways with the MC9 and put it up for sale. Actually, uh, I'll, I'll back up a story here. Here's here's a little offshoot for the story. So when we took the trip down to San Diego, um, the second year down, I got looking on Craigslist. I'm a real um, hound for trying to find deals. Uh, that's how a lot of the conversion gets done is via Kijiji, Craigslist, or auctions for, let's say, uh, leftover building materials. Um a lot of people buy too, too much hardwood floors or 
you know, they have five or six cases left over. And when you do the math, it works out to anywhere from 100 to 140, sometimes 200 square feet of flooring. Well, in a bus platform, it's absolutely perfect because if you do, let's say, a living room, like right now I'm working on my living room, um, it's eight feet by 10 feet. So that's 80 square feet. So that's a, a, five, a bundle, a box of five, let's say, um, works out perfect. And you can get them at a fraction of the cost. This last one I picked up, I think I picked up for um, about, about $8, 10 $12 a box. And hardwood flooring is very, very expensive. But that's a little off topic. So back to the story with the MC9. So in, on Craigslist, um, we found a guy down there who was parting out or destroying, sending to a wreckers another MC9. And wanted us, uh, didn't mind if we came up, come in and, and grab some parts for it. So in we go. We start going through it. And I fell in love because it was a skeleton bus. And it allowed me to go through it and ex get the experience. Now, mechanically, I have no mechanic background whatsoever, just driving. So that leaves me at a huge disadvantage. Not that I don't want to learn and not that I'm mechanically inclined. But the curve at, at my age and where I stand and with the fact I have a brain tumor, so my memory is not so good as it used to be, uh, it's a big learning curve of what I need to do. So um, going, through, going through the bus and the skeleton was a big deal because it allowed me to play with it and get inside, pick up a few parts. So our third day in on this adventure uh, down, in, down in California, um, the owner come in uh, who's scrapping the bus and said, my bus, uh, my driver has quit. And you and Mindy, you guys both uh, drove professionally. Would you consider doing some trips? And we said, as long as we're going to put fuel in the bus, we'll do it. So what he did was he flew us out. Um, one of the trips was Dallas. Another trip was Warsaw, uh, North Carolina. And what we do was we drive MCI buses back down to his place where he uh, Utah was, what was that? Uh, Utah was another place. So Ogden, there was, there was about eight or 10 places that we did and experienced where we went up, took buses, drove them straight, flew in, drove them straight back. Um, and then what he'd do was, uh, he was a fly by night salesman. So he'd fix them up and then, uh, and then sell them. Um, and, and for, for actually for the conversion world is what it was for. So, mm -hmm. but in November, uh, a good point here is, is November, um, and of course, in, in this kind of kind of frame of mind, this time is kind of hard. But November MCI writes off a lot of their trade-ins, so you can get them at a fraction, absolute fraction of a cost, based on the fact they just write them off and get rid of them, or send them to the wreckers because they don't want them around their yard, their yard anymore. So that's kind of a, a neat little bit of information that that we had got. So um, having said that, so we got a little bit of money for fuel that way. And then um, came across, I from California moving on now, um, we had found the bus we currently have in, the, in, in eBay and let it run out because they wanted 20000 for it. And then I contacted the seller afterwards and said, listen, um, I'd like to buy the bus, but my funds are what they are, especially being Canadian money. Being Canadian um, makes it, makes it um, a little more difficult because you got to do the conversion and you got to have that money with you. So um, I offered him, I'd offered him um, so much and then uh, about half of what he wanted. And then uh, he said, yes. So we decided to buy it. And then out of a whim, we, we posted it for sale down in California 
and we were intending to bring both buses home because many can drive. So uh, we we started coming across, and then just as we picked it up, a couple from from Wisconsin uh, decided to uh, contact us, and they were going to buy it. So we transitioned over to the new bus to bring it home, and the old bus was sold there. So that meant we didn't have to bring both buses home. So that was pretty cool. So um, that at that point, um, we had to get her back home again, which was a difficult task in itself because uh, importing to Canada is not an, not an easy task at all. You need you need a minimum of three days uh, give the border border uh, heads up about schedule. importing, and you have to make sure all the um, recalls are done mm -hmm. for imports. And the paperwork is all, they give you quite the file to bring it home. So anyways, so we got her home and then began to, it was a seated bus. So we broke down several times on the way home. Um, we, the last straw was going up into Henwell, New, Henwell, New Brunswick. Um, I went into International, um, which was an ordeal in itself. <laughs> uh, asked to pull the computer on it and tell me what kind of mileage was on this Cummins. And it turns out there was 1.2 million miles, not kilometers, miles on this engine. So I said to them, I said, um, I have an $8,000 emergency fund for, um, for the bus. Is there any chance that you can do an in-frame and do a rebuild and I'll supply you with the parts? And they said, yeah, for $8,000, we'll do that. So I went to Cummins. I had to do a lot of searching around. I found parts, um, brought it to them. And then three weeks later, so, Six weeks later, the bus was ready. Um, however, I got a bit of a shock when they handed me a bill of $16,000. So uh, that was a little bit discouraging and quite upsetting. But what do you do? You walk away from the whole project uh, or you continue and they'll just, they'll impound it, sell it, and then they'll just go after you for the rest of the money. So we decided to suck it up, bring it home, and then uh, begin, our, begin our rebuilding process. So... Um, at that point, uh, we started tearing the seats out, exchanging, for the most part, exchanging, um, and this is a big one. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people look to find buyers for their, their interiors. Um, and again, with COVID and everything else that's going on, the market's just uh, mm -hmm. a crap, crap, uh, crap right now. But having said that, it will come back at some point. But one of the biggies is... Um, as opposed to trying to get cash for it, do an exchange for service barter. because barter, barter for service. And in the long run, and it may not work tomorrow, but it's weeks or years down the road as you've established a relationship up and have something acquired that they'll remember the fact that you did something for them when they had a business that may, may not have been very strong, but they had a service that they can offer, which is really no cost to them, so to speak, except their time. But it's a big deal to you because you're going to have to you're going to have that out of out of pocketed uh, <clears throat> expense of doing that. So it took us um, a better part of a year, year and a half to to um, go through all the pieces of of finding all the all the parts I wanted to install in the bus, the hardwood flooring, the cabinets were made, uh, designing the bedroom. Mindy had a big part in. We brought an electrician to help us with that. We did a full shower, but all, all the things that we at that particular point in time had put in the bus was all, all things that we acquired through used materials 
Uh, we didn't, for the most part, put anything. The kitchen cabinetry was was all new. Awesome. Uh, was all custom. Was all custom done. Currently now on the bus, um, I got <laughs> home. I got home and and the bus is all tore apart. At the he minute. made me cry. I'm uh, in the middle of redoing it, but. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we've done some pretty cool trips with it. Last winter, I decided to um, to take a trip myself with a bus. I went down to um, Baja, Mexico. Uh, a lot of stories about that. Uh, one of the big ones is um, is Quartzsite. Back up a little bit and talk about Quartzsite. There's a big bus gathering of schoolies, of MCI buses, of old GM buses, they all come together and congregate in Quartzsite. So Quartzsite's a town about 50 miles north of Yuma. It's usually the, the third week in January, uh, this get-together is. And the population as a rule in Yuma is between 1,500 and 2,000 people any other time of the year. But uh, in January, when all the snowbirds come down, it goes to over a million. And that may seem like uh, a crazy amount of people, but when everything is all desert and you're just every everybody is set up to be boondocking on their own is self-sufficient within town. You, you retrieve your water and fill up your water and you have your dump station. Otherwise everybody's out in the desert using solar as their primary source of electricity. Um, so my, our bus has uh, right now, well, it's got nothing on it right now, but at that time it had four solar panels on it. I'm going to upgrade to between eight and 10. Uh, we're all lithium. We've upgraded this year to lithium. Uh, we had AGMs, but the advantage to going to lithium from uh, lead acid, I'm hoping far outweighs um, because <laughs> with, with lead acid, as a lot of people know, you can only go down to 50%. So if you have 225 amp hours of battery for two batteries, so let's say two golf cart batteries, that means you're available to you only have about 110 amp hours and depending on the conditions of the batteries and the amount of solar you have in them so i've learned a lot and doing a lot that way so we we're going to eight to ten batteries with eight lithium batteries and a three thousand watt inverter so we're, we're primarily all electric we have no propane on our bus as a rule and uh, we primarily heat our bus going down the road with a heater the on bus heater but we use a, what's called a mini split it's particularly um it's, it's a big thing in the East Coast of Canada because it's a relatively cheap and uses very little amp hours, a little amperage to, to heat the bus. And it's good to – the newer units are good to – oh, they can be good to between uh, mm-hmm. minus 10 to minus 12 Fahrenheit or minus 20 uh, Celsius. But ours is only good to about minus 8. So and at that point – uh well we better not be in this kind of temperature i want to be i want to be in some heat but anyways uh i've had enough of the canadian winter so to speak but i guess this winter we're staying home and i'm completely redoing the bus right now i'm starting it all over again so that's where we're at with that and the the bus that you folks have is it specifically for travel and adventure for the two of you or do you live in the bus Okay, so it's it's for travel and adventure, um, primarily with Mindy and her condition. Um, she she her medical condition and the fact that she needs she needs uh, prescriptions filled and she's in a fair bit of pain with her, her tumor her sciatic nerve. She did have a surgery, but um, difficulties got to be too much. So we we went from wanting to be full time to I'm hoping we travel between eight 
uh, realistically about eight months of the year is what, what I'm targeting at least anyway. So, but I always tell him he can travel. So I have no problem with that. And that, that, that takes us back to another adventure. When um, last year I went down into, I, I actually went to this a little bit earlier, but kind of got uh, side railed. I took the bus down to Baja. Um, so the interesting story with Baja, and it's pretty unique and special. It's a very special story for me, and I'll, I will go back. Uh, I, went, I went down, after leaving um, Quartzite, I went down to this, what, what crossed the border, which was a fairly simple cross, and he asked you three questions. They confirmed the ownership to the bus to the ownership of the registration, and then off I went. So there were three military checkpoints to go through that I went through south. Um, the military was primarily uh, just wanted to see the bus. They are fascinated, absolutely fascinated by the bus and beautiful. I had, I could not, I can't speak Spanish. I had no pesos. So this is why this story is going to be really interesting. So we went down into, um, I went, I traveled by myself on this trip with my little Yorkie partner, Jojo. Um, she weighs at, uh, weighs in at a hefty seven pounds. Um, so, and she's not a yapper. She doesn't, she doesn't uh, bark a lot. So she, she's a good travel partner. Uh, went down into San Felipe, which is about 80 kilometers south, my first stop, and pulled into a uh, compound to get my bearings and spent five days there. Uh, I loved what I saw. I, I play guitar, so I had the guitar out a bit, and I do a little bit of singing too. And in comes another couple from Calgary, and they were homeschooling their 10-year-old girl. Uh, they were in a C-class, and they were heading down to La Paz. Now, La Paz... In comparison to Baja, Mexico is a thousand miles south, and you, you, as a rule, you try not to travel alone. And kind of between the two of us, we convinced each other I was going to join them for a little while. But I was quite concerned: one, because I don't speak the language, and two, because I got an MCI bus, which is much more difficult. If I ever broke down down there, I'd have no, no means of getting anything for help. So, anyways, off we go. The first night. Um, the first night we get about a hundred kilometers south and we pull off the main highway onto, um, what is a just dirt compound. We pull out the guitars and we're playing guitars at night and singing along and everybody's having a blast with the uh, campfire going. We go to bed that night, had a couple of drinks and got up the next morning. I look out and there's, there's some dolphins off on the horizon. You can see them because we're, we're parked right on the ocean. So what was cool about this was, so um, the people I was traveling with had a drone and he did, uh, he did record, he did recording. So, um, he sent the drone out. It was about a kilometer, maybe not quite a kilometer, but it was out quite a ways, took, filmed it and brought it back and then filmed us. He circled around the bus and brought it back. So that was a, that was a pretty cool experience. And he sent me that, uh, link that I post every once in a while of, of the bus and how it looks from the air. So that was pretty cool. So off we go down the road. We get down about um, about 400 kilometers. And I said, that's enough. I can't do no more. I'm too stressed. So uh, we found a fishing village. Um, now, Baja has been updated quite a bit. So it's it's two-lane highway, uh, completely made up all the way down. So And it's a paved road. And at one, this is recent, too. Um, there was a couple times we had to get off because of the hurricanes. And they'd done some road damage. But... The interesting part about the highway, it was so narrow without narrow with our coach being a 102 wide, 102 inches wide, that if I came up to another transport, 
we better slow down or we're going to clip mirrors. There is no shoulder. There's no, there's exactly amount of road for two vehicles on there. And that's it. <laughs> but I mean, traveling set, there were some mountains you crisscross back and forth. It's not very wide down through there. And there's not a lot of traffic. It's very, very much like Prince Edward Island where um, much of it is all just a two lane road. And there's very, very little traffic, which is, which is pretty neat. And it's all desert down through there, even though you're looking at the ocean for the most part, you're always looking at the ocean, but it's all desert. So we get down about 500 miles. We found, we found a fishing village, but the kicker was it was about six kilometers off the beaten path or about four miles. So I get out, we stop for the night and we park and the two of us decide to do a walk-in. And by the time we walked in and walked back, I said, it's no different than PEI where I parked my bus. Cause I parked my bus up in the back of a potato field. The farmer here says, just park it back there. And I have no problem. You come down our road, which is a kilometer and a half and it's all dirt. It's just a dirt rock road. And I don't have any problem with it. So I thought, Oh, you know what? It looks pretty strong and pretty sturdy. So off we go. So I get off, I get uh, moving in and we're, we're running along the ocean um, about hundred, 200 feet from the ocean and I'm about a kilometer from the place and the, and the bus broke surface and, and she, she broke the surface and ripped her axle. The entire bus sank up into what, what was, what I later found out was clay. And I, 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 I didn't know what to do. I was in a panic. So I did the only thing I could do. And I started, I only had a, a little tool to chip with. And then um, next thing I know the next day. So this is day two. Uh, backhoe came in 30 kilometers away it took him three hours to get there and he dug two trenches up the side of the bus and then progressively as the day wore on the next day progressed so this is day three 30 40 50 people started showing up and digging out the bus and started chipping away and dig it out so now on day six of this adventure so somebody had a 20 ton jack that we were able to jack up so what we do was as we took as we took it away uh, the the uh, clay and the dirt, we'd go over to the ocean with vehicles and fill them up with rock. And they weren't big rocks, so we'd fill them up with rock and backfill all the sand we took out with rock. And then on the sixth day, uh, the guy who had the backhoe brought in a couple of four by eight sheets of diamond plate. We poked up to the front and pulled the bus out with six vehicles hooked up to the front and dragged it out. So at this point, I'm frazzled. So, so um, I parked the uh, bus on the beach, literally uh, 20 feet from the ocean. I watched whales uh, a couple of times. And they fed me lobster and halibut three times a week. And they said, don't worry about food. And they were feeding me twice a day. Having said that, if you're listening <laughs> to the conversation, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, I can't speak Spanish. But it was neat because they had Wi-Fi. So I got a translator um, and we were able to communicate, manage to communicate with them. And it was just such an incredible, it was, it was such a neat experience that they were so worried. They cut two new roads all the way out uh, up until the day I left. And the day I left the night before he was still working on the road to make sure I didn't get stuck. And I thought, you know what? So it, it was all solar, the, the fishing camp. I said, next year I come back, uh, I'll make sure I bring you back batteries and solar panels so right now the solar panels i pulled off the bus are going to go down there and i've got a few batteries stored up that'll go down and replenish um 
what they have. So that was a, that was a pretty cool experience for me anyways. And, and, and coming back, I never had an incident. I got back. So parked it on the beach for three or four weeks. Um, and then to add to that story, I was parked on the beach and this 24, 25 year old um, girl, blonde, comes walking up the beach about my third week in. And I said, where are you from? She went walking by the bus. She said, I'm from British Columbia, Canada. And I said, and where are you parked? She was parked in a van down the beach road, down this road, about three kilometers. And every year. So what she told me she did is she works for six months a year in BC and then travels six months down to Baja so she can surf. And that's all she does is look for surfing. I says, girl. I says, you got balls to be out here all by yourself with no protection at all. And to be down here, she says, it's the safest place I've ever been. So I, th I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I made my way back for March the 1st. I had, so traveling for the most part, I have no um, communication with the outside world unless I pick it up in my travels like news and what have you. So I didn't know, I knew bits and pieces about COVID, but not much. I came back for March the 1st in the middle of a blinding snowstorm because we still have winter here on PEI until uh, mid-May. So the, the farmer where I parked it, he came down with his big uh, plow and he plowed a spot out for me for to park the bus because there's no room and we had three, three feet of snow. Mm -hmm. But the good thing about parking that time of year was the ground was frozen. So um, strength-wise, I had no problem there. And it's been parked. Uh, other than going to Ivan and Sylvie's, which we spend a fair bit of time at, we go see them at least four or five times to work on various projects together. Uh, him working on his projects, me working on mine. And he oversees and helps me. Uh, Ivan's a very special part of Ivan and Sylvie are both a very special part of our life and where they are in there in Granby, Quebec. If it wasn't for them, I don't know if we would have stuck this out. Why? Well, just because they are so good with what they're doing. They are they are very good. They're yeah. very good and very handy and very helpful. And so we get fact, a little frustrated. Um, this trip I needed to do, um, I needed to learn to do my front seals in the bus. So I went out there with the intention of doing that. I pulled the wheels off the bus. We had to wait for parts in Granby to get them, but uh, was neat was he oversaw and corrected me on a couple of things I, I may have needed correcting on and made sure that I was doing the right stuff. And that allowed me to be able to do the project on my own. It became there, part of that learning of working on the bus, which well, is what I needed of, to do. Yeah, both of them are very, very good teachers. Yeah, yeah. And Sylvie, Sylvie taught me uh, how to properly um, work on my stainless. So I've got half the bus is stainless uh, down the side. And I did, I've done a lot of cleaning of the stainless and it, it, it'll, it looks really, really good. So that's, that's pretty special for me. That's amazing that you still have that connection in Baja. And I guess once COVID is finished up, then you'll take the opportunity to go back. Yeah. Yes. Um, my intentions are to go back for a minimum of four months. Uh, I'll be traveling by myself. But you know what, if I could put, if I could put a group of people together, because the property was big enough to house, it housed a lot of vehicles if they're self-sufficient. It did have a washroom on site. It was. It would be neat to give back um, because money's hard to come by. Um, they're there. It's a very, very poor community. So it would be neat to give back. And and it's a fishing village. So you have fresh fish coming out of the ocean, and that's the first thing they ask you is, "What do you want out of our catch today?" Uh, and they had number of number of fish. So uh, you had you you got to choose from halibut. 
and lobster, of course, is my favorite. They fig- figured that out and were, <laughs> were setting up lobster for me three times a week. So I was, uh, I was pretty, pretty cool. happy about that. Now, I'm going to take that story as your adventure because Ivan <laughs> had mentioned about his mishap, about tires falling off during his drive down the 401, I think it was. And I'm sure with your experience between the two of you, what's a yeah, mishap that you folks would have had uh, during your adventures? Okay, so um, it's not a nice story. Um, the ending's okay, but uh, it, and none, nonetheless, it still is something to be aware of. So Mindy has a very close friend. And this is back when our MC9 experience. Uh, Mindy has a, a very close friend in Mesa, uh, Arizona. So um, no matter where you travel, um, the, the experience is, is you need to be aware of your surroundings and you need to be um, prepared for no matter how safe we ever feel, whether it be in Canada or North America, it doesn't matter. Anyways, uh, we, were, we were in Mesa, Arizona. We were parked between two mounds. I like to find a place where I'm not going to interrupt anybody and, and um, not affect anybody's life. So these mounds were fairly high. So I'd say they were a good two, 300 feet high. Uh, people like to walk them. They were, they were, they're very high. Anyways, they were four by four trail is what I believe it to be. So I parked the MC nine uh, up here and one evening, all of a sudden a quarter ton truck showed up, pickup truck showed up, uh, ran, set up his, his wheels perpendicular to the bus and spun them so hard that he shattered three of our broke three of our windows with the, rocks. with the rocks that he was spinning off his tires and he took off. Now the interval was he was coming back every 10, 15 minutes. He made about nine or 10 passes, but in the back of that truck were several pipes that fell out of the back of his truck. That eventually what he did was he picked those pipes up and threw them, threw them at the bus. I have no, I, no provocation. I have no idea what motivated them. So uh, into the into the fifth or sixth time passing, we finally uh, oh, phoned for assistance. Uh, it took a while for them to show up, but by the eighth or ninth pass, he had I guess realized the police were showing up and then gave up. So we didn't get hurt, thank goodness. But uh, he did do a fair bit of damage to the bus. It's just always, you know what? Where, wherever you're going to park, no matter where it be, or Canada or U.S., that could be anywhere. I mean, everybody you know says you got to set yourself up accordingly, but. You get into the big cities like Toronto or, or or Chicago or no matter what, if you're not aware of your surroundings and what's going on around them, then you just got to know where you're at. That's all. So I'd say uh, that was a pretty big mishap for us. It just made us more uh, more aware and more leery about where we park and we where we position ourselves because we like to use we like to use WalMarts. We love Lowe's. We love our our, our Home Depots. Because we never stay, we've never ever stayed in a trailer park. We've never used for a rule. We've never used electricity to plug in. That's pretty cool. Very, very glad that you stayed safe as a result of that. So at the moment, you mentioned that you came back. You've got it, your bus, and you're doing things differently. So based on this design, what are some of the things that you're doing differently? One of the um, we made a couple of big mistakes. One of the huge one of the big mistakes we made was um, we put a subfloor in the bus, inch and a half, and ran pink insulation through the through the base. And that's where we decided that was the best place for the electrical. Well, uh, hindsight now, so I needed to do some plumbing. Uh, 
I went to drill a hole for some plumbing and lo and behold, I drilled right up through my wiring. So uh, I, now I marred it, put it back together again, but decided that um, that wasn't a safe way to go. And we needed to change the spots where, where we ran our electrical through the, as opposed to through the floor that you always need to have access to everything you install. So by having said that, I've got to tear everything up to get at the wiring. So we decided, you know what, there's a few things we didn't like where we set up the shower. Uh, we need to fix it and do it right. So I'm going back to the base and that's what we're going to do. That's we're going amazing. To fix it and do it right. Now, when it comes to installation, Ivan recommended a few products that he uses. Do you insulate your bus in any special way or do you just use the basic inch and a half foam or spray foam? Uh, the, the big one for me was the, um, I did the spray foam myself on the roof. I just went to crappy tire Canadian tire and bought the uh, kit when they were on sale. And I think I went through with the MCI, I went through two of them. Uh, and that was, that's a huge factor in the winter and the summer for keeping the, the, uh, heat in or out depending on the time of year. That was a big one for me. Uh, we've gone with, uh, via from Ivan's suggestion, the Saratech. Uh, we bought. I bought some of that. I'm going to use on the base on the floor. Um, that'll be a, that'll be a big one. That's to me. That's a game changer for for the biggest thing. Being in a mobile platform is the moisture coming up from the bottom up. For me, is no, no matter what you do, no matter how good you think your your insulation is, it seems to always creep in at that magic number of three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so, and you get up in the morning, it's it's fairly uncomfortable. Um, until it warms up, no matter where you are, no matter what time of year, it's the same thing. Like even, in, even when I was in Baja, Mexico uh, at nighttime, it still dropped down below freezing at times. So it's still good. Even if it was for a short period of time, but if you're not protected and you don't have the fundamentals, then um, you're left vulnerable to feeling sure. uncomfortable. And do you have a means of exhausting moisture out of your bus? Uh, the mini split. Uh, works for that. Mini Split's a good one. Um, we we have we love the Fantastic Fans. The Fantastic Fans are, a, to me, a, a, in any sort of work in an RV is a must-have because the Fantastic Fans are an intake and exhaust fan. So we have one, one in the front and one in the back. And the one in the front, let's say we put on intake, the one in the back, we put on exhaust, and that, that creates a flow all the time. Yeah, I haven't heard of the Fantastic Fans. I'll have to look that up. I was just going to say, um, Doug's doing all this insulation with your ceilings and with your floors and with your partial walls because we kept all the windows in our bus. So the unusual part about our conversion, um, and we hear a lot of that, is we left all the windows in our bus. But Mindy, um, not only um, did she drive a, a, a bus subway train and snowplow in her lifetime, <laughs> um, she's a seamstress by trade. So... And the neat part is she's uh, set our bus up so our curtains are triple layered and they zipper all together all the way around, including the windshield area. So it gives us a thermal blanket and that's significant in the evening. So and, and gives us darkness if we want it for the entire day. Um, so that that binds us without the effect because our windows are all single pane. They're not the Canadian double pane with the winter protection putting those triple layer curtains with new heavens, there's insulation inside mm -hmm. in between the, the curtains as well. 
And because they zipper all together, gives us a, a complete cool. package. So do you have them so that every window zips together or is it just one big panel that you roll up and down or what do they look like, Mindy? Every, every window zips together. Uh, mm -hmm. So they all form together and then they tie, we tie them back when we're not in use. It's like regular house curtains, just one on each side. So each window, there's each one panel. on each side. So yeah. say one side of the bus, you only see three windows. You'll have, I think it's like what? We have four curtains on it. And then the other side yeah. has so many windows. So X amount of curtains. Because you don't want any gap along the top. Yeah, shears I have and... shears for one layer because that just helps give you privacy. But then the curtains themselves <laughs> has a front, a back, and batting in between them. Very That's cool. Them now, Doug, I know way. you've had some videos put up on your social media. Is there one of how to make these kinds of curtains? Uh, no. no, you know what? We never. <laughs> just Mindy, Mindy gets going. She's got her sewing room all set up wow. here with all her antique singer sewing machines. She, I think she's got about 15 sewing machines and she travels with no, no, no less than three machines with her at all times. Oh, but that's something, that's something maybe we should, uh, we should look at doing a video on, on her making those curtains. Yeah, but they're already made. Yeah, well, you can do maybe <laughs> a set specifically for. I actually made window screens for all the big windows so that if we're stationary, we can put a stick of wood to hold the window open, right? Free air conditioning, you know? <laughs> So our windows, our windows all uh, open via like an emergency hatch. So they open from the bottom up. But when we're going down the road, uh, they're all closed. But if we're stationary, we can block them up. And then we put, we Mindy made a screen so we can screen in so we don't get any of the bugs coming in the bus. Yeah. So Mindy, Flies can you describe, because I've also made screens for our bus. Can you describe what you used and how you made them and how they attach to the window? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually bought... The Velcro, the stick-on Velcro, and the sew-in Velcro, because you don't want to sew the glue. And I just cut out the piece of screening to the actual size of the window. So the screening we used yeah. is screening, um, just regular screening that you can buy at the hardware store. Yeah, like the regular screening you use in your windows of your house, the screening, you can buy it in big pieces. So, so we cut it out to the size. Yeah. And then it. I put a binding all around the edges and double stitch it because you need some strength. And then I just sew the Velcro on them. Then when we're out in the bus, like I say, I've used the sticky opposite side of the Velcro and I go right around the whole window. And then I'm able to take the ones that I made and Velcro them on. So leave, that leave the bottom open so you can open it up, push the window out, put your stick in. And then once it's open, then you just bring the rest of the screens along the bottom and finish sticking it in on the Velcro and no bugs. Yeah, so that way they can it can it can be completely taken out when you're traveling and yeah. you want the view. So you don't want the disruption of the screen or you can roll from your view or you can roll them up. So yeah. it's kind of a simple way to do it. And that's the KISS rule. Keep it simple. Yeah. And, and that's the whole idea about conversions is keep it as simple as you can and make the most of it. And, and enjoy now, every Doug, I'm going to get you to build it. on that. So what would you recommend as a piece of advice for somebody who is converting a coach bus or a school bus? What's a, and especially in Canada, because we have a different climate than that of the States, what's a piece of advice that you would share with folks? Okay. The biggest piece of advice, and, and, and I'm a, 
stickler about saving money and not spending money and, and finding finding deals wherever I go. But there are certain things you don't find deals on. There, there are certain things you need to spend money on fundamentals because what, what you don't spend today, you will spend tomorrow. Um, the fundamentals are buying yourself not – a cheap used generator that's been out there and and as who knows how old it is or what kind of abuse but spend the money if it's something that you're going to work on and you plan on making this work for a long period of time like a generator spend the money on a half decent generator and it's your fundamentals no matter what because if you're down and out and you're broke down and you need to revert to that generator for example but it's not up to up to snuff and not only are you broke down you've got a generator it doesn't work you're not going to be happy about, about – and your wife is going to want out of this whole project in a real hurry. The conversion world can be very discouraging because it seems like it lasts – it just sits and does nothing, and, and you just feel like you're going nowhere. But you know what? The big one for me is keep logs, uh, keep a journal so you can go back at it. And you're so discouraged one day that you, you, know, you stop. You stop the work you do, you go back to that journal, and you start reading that journal and refresh your memory of all that work that you've done and what you've accomplished. And it's very rewarding. Yeah. Getting out in the bus, whatever you're working on, take a minute, stop. One, it needs to exercise the legs. But two, it reminds you just how beautiful the bus is and how much, it, how nice it runs to get it out and stretch your legs and it re-energizes that energy to get it done so you can get out and Very do what you cool. want to do in the bus. So well, what do you see as the future for you guys and the bus and travel? Um, my dream, my dream is to uh, go along uh, to like from here through New Brunswick into Quebec. And there's some lakes I go by, uh, Ontario, it's it's Georgian Bay, Lake Nipissing, it's going west into the mountains. Parking myself in front of a lake and going fishing with a kayak, I plan on putting on the back of the bus. That or taking out my golf clubs, which I love to golf, and being able to go golfing with 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 a fellow bus nut. I don't care about keeping score, or being serious. I just want to enjoy the company. Um, but you're more than welcome to. Wait till the springtime, maybe a bit in the uh, the late spring, and you're more than welcome to come and visit this area. We've actually been to Manitoba in our MC9. It's just this MC... Um, 102C3. The 102C3. We have not been there so with we, that bus yet. We have a nephew in Calgary, outside of, in Airdrie. So we, yeah. we and, and because we, we have a daughter in North Bay... Mm-hmm. And and a, and a nephew and Airdrie, then that is part of our trip. So now you folks have been traveling around. You've met a lot of people. You're on social media. Do you folks have like one or two or three people that you'd recommend other people to follow? And it doesn't even have to be within the bus world. Um, just in life in general, even people that you you follow on social media. Well, uh, we definitely got Ivan and Sylvie. They're they're very they're very close to us. Yeah. Um, a good friend of mine you. in Toronto, Bus Warrior. He goes by yeah. in 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 the uh, in the busing world. Um, he he re- he's retired, but has a one hundred and two as well. But he's driving transport right right now a little bit. And Brian Miller is an interesting one in New Brunswick uh, for me because. Uh, and those who enjoy racing. So he he uh, he enjoys racing motorcycles. He's also got a 102. Now, he had a C, 
three as well, but um, recently sold it and now has a, a 102D model. So he's an interesting one to, um, to follow. And it's an interesting yep. one to follow. That man, he broke his back and he broke his neck last spring. Wasn't it, Brian? Oh, Brian Evans. Brian Evans. Brian, the Brian Evans is a very special individual. Uh, he's down in your part of the world. He's in. He's down in uh, Nova Scotia. Now, I believe he's got an MC5. Yeah. And I think he engineered uh, his, I don't know all the story to it, his transmission. And he's got a military engine, I believe, on his. And he's a special individual. He, he, now in the spring, in Dorian, uh, he had an accident. He fell uh, going to bed, fell down the stairs, fell down the stairs and broke his neck. Um, yeah. But he's back up and working on his bus again. So he's a pretty nice, he's a pretty smart individual, that one, I'll tell you. Yeah. yeah I'll have to talk to him about uh, if we move back to Cape Breton Island and getting the bus organized and mm -hmm. certified and all that kind of stuff, what the restrictions are, yep. requirements. So that's great. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So do you folks have any final words for our uh, guests out there? Keep it simple. Keep it simple. <laughs> do your homework and don't be afraid to spend the money where it really counts. And you won't regret it in the long run. And there's no such thing as a stupid question. And on that, if people had uh, questions, uh, would they be able to reach out uh, to you, Doug, and and ask oh, yeah. yes um i'm yeah we're usually involved in, in a lot of uh pages um and by all means it's doug ashwood i uh, send me a friend request if you like or have any bus questions i'm on the boards fair bit or norm ashwood at gmail.com excellent well thank you very much folks for uh setting aside a bit of time and sharing your stories and experiences and adventures and and what you're going to do in the future. I, I love listening to it, and I'm sure the audience out there will appreciate the tips and advice. Very good. Thank you. And you stay in touch, Daniel. And we're going to visit you once, uh, yeah. once COVID-19 sets aside and we're able to get back to the East Coast. We'll uh, stop into Prince Edward Island and pay a visit. That would be really nice. The door is always open. Yeah. Or maybe we'll end up meeting at uh, Ivan's place along the way. You that that would be a for sure too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your evening, and uh, thank you again. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thanks, guys. Bye -bye. Good night. Bye bye. Good night, everybody. Good night.